Good morning, and welcome to another in our series of mini shiurim on the book of Yehoshua. We are learning in the merit of the IDF, Israel's emergency services, the hostages, and the injured. And we are in Yehoshua Parachavdalad, chapter 24. We are up to Pasuk Ches, sentence 8. And again, um, as I mentioned, I think the other day, uh, God willing, when we finish Yehoshua, we will start learning Megillus Esther. Same style of trying to go through with an eye on the psukim, the text itself. Um, not going to be enough time to finish it before Purim, but hopefully we'll do some good learning. Okay, so we've already seen the beginning of Yehoshua's last speech. He is recounting history with an eye towards emphasizing the kindness of Hashem. And he talked about the kindness of Hashem originally with the perpetuation of Avraham and Sarah, the birth of Yitzchak, the birth of Yaakov and Esav, giving Esav Har Seir, and then Hashem's kindness to us when we were in Egypt. No mention is made whatsoever of the slavery, we said. The emphasis is on the gifts, the miracles, what Hashem did for us, sending us Moshe and Aharon, the plagues against Egypt, culminating in the splitting of the sea. And the last bit we saw was, and you stayed in the Midbar. You lived in the Midbar for a long time. Skipping completely the story of the spies and all of that, this is not a passage of rebuke. It's about the way that Hashem took care of you, and that's what we continue with now, Hashem taking care of us in the Midbar. And I brought you to the land of the Amori, who dwell on the uh, the side of the Jordan River, the eastern side of the Jordan River. Remember, we talked about this much earlier in Yahushua. The the focus of the Canaanite nations is really around the Yardin, and then you have on the shore of the Mediterranean, and you have the Pelishtim on the shore of the Mediterranean. So, I brought you to the land of the Amori who live on the uh, on the Yardin. And they fought with you. I gave them into your hands. You took their land and I destroyed them before you. Um, parenthetically, um, one thing that I don't understand and that is a little bit inconsistent uh, in this story is just, you know, we, te- we keep talking about how we emphasize Hashem's chesed, Hashem's kindness for us. Um, but you know, we, we just glossed over all those years in the Midbar, including Hashem's chesed, including Hashem's kindness. So we didn't mention the man. Uh, we didn't mention the cloud and the fire. The, um, all of that was not mentioned. So even as it's true that we are emphasizing Hashem's chesed, we're not mentioning everything, maybe because the rush is to get to Eretz Yisrael and what's going to happen when they arrive in the land. Maybe that's why it's not there. But in any case... Hashem was kind to you in the Midbar, in the wilderness. He brought you to um, to the land of Canaan, to these Amorite kings. Balak arose to fight against the Jews. And he summoned Bilam ben Baor to curse you. But I didn't want to listen to Bilaam. And instead he blessed you. And I saved you from his hand. So that's Hashem's kindness to you in the wilderness, in the Midbar. That's the sum of the Midbar story. After that, you're going to cross the Yardin. Um, noteworthy, um, the emphasis that Bilaam is only part of the military effort of Balak against us. He's using Bilam to soften us up. He's using Bilam as the first step in the war, the curse which will then lead to the um, 
sorry, which will then, which will then, hopefully, he thinks, lead to our vulnerability to his attack. But Hashem says, I didn't listen. I converted it to a bracha. And that raises a question regarding that story in general from Parshas Balak. Why did you need a bracha? Why don't you just, you know, to use uh, Zoom parlance, why don't you just put Bilam on mute? Why, or do you, you know, you could have just said to him, sorry, you're muted, that's it, you can't, uh, you can't curse the Jews. Why did Hashem convert it to a bracha? So Abarbanel asks this question, and he offers two suggestions. Suggestion number one is that Hashem knows what's coming next, which is the sin of the Jews with Peor, the women of Midian and Moab, and then the idolatry, and the punishment that's going to come with it. And had Bilam been able to attack us with his curse, then all of the nations would have thought that the plague had been because of Bilam's curse. Now that doesn't answer the question. That doesn't answer the big question. That explains why not have him curse. But why do you actually have him give a bracha? So there are Barbanel floats an idea. He says that it is in order to intimidate the neighbors when they would hear these brachas for the Jews. So it's really a two-part thing. Let him curse if he wants to? No, because people would think it was effective. So why don't you just put him on mute in order to intimidate the, the neighbors when they hear this bracha. So that brings us to Pasuk Yud Aleph, sentence 11, and Hashem's kindness once we arrive in the land of Canaan. You crossed the Yardin. You came to Yericho. And the masters of Yericho fought against you. All of these different nations. And I gave them into your hand. Worth noting that it mentions the Girgashi here as part of this. We have, other, we have Midrashim that speak of the Girgashi having moved out. Nonetheless, they're mentioned here among those nations who fought against you. Of course, the big problem is, you put this in the context of Yericho. You came to Yericho and, and all of these nations fought against you. Where was that? We came to Yericho, knocked down the walls through Hashem's miracle and, uh, and invaded. So what, what, when did this fight take place? Who are the masters of Yericho anyway? So Professor Kiel in the Dat Mikra says, it means the people of Yericho who closed in their city and didn't uh, allow you in. So Gerrit and Misu Gerrit, that's what it's referring to. That's when they fought us. Rashi, other commentators say no. Members of each of the Canaanite tribes were in Yericho. The, uh, this city was at the entrance to the land. It was by the border, and you had people from all of the different tribes. And when we attacked the city, they fought us. That's, the, that's I think, the standard view. But Abarbanel says this isn't only talking about the war with Yericho, it's also the subsequent wars. All those nations who, after the wars with Yericho and Ai, and then Givon came and made a treaty with us, the nations who gathered against Givon, that's who we're talking about uh, in, this, uh, in this passage. Sentence 12, Pasuk Yud Beis. V'ashlach lifnechemes hatzirah. And I sent before you the tzirah. The usual explanation of tzirah is some form of stinging insect. Is it a wasp? Is it a bee? But something along those lines. It was already predicted back in Shmos, chapter 23, sentence 28. Hashem said, I am going to send the, uh, the tzirah before you. Vatagarish osam mipnechem, and it chased them out before you. Shnei malcheho emori, the two Amorite kings. You didn't need to fight. It wasn't through your sword. It wasn't through your bow. And I gave you a land that you didn't work for. It was all here in front of you. Cities you didn't build. And you dwelled in them. Grapevines, olive orchards, you didn't plant them. And you get to eat them. 
this is this is a, a a point that Hashem made in the Chumash as well. That you're coming to this land, you're going to get all this stuff that you didn't actually build up. The um, this wasn't something you created. This was created before you, and I handed it over to you. Going back to the uh, the tzira that we mentioned. So there's a Tosefta in Mesecha Sota which says that the Tzira did not actually cross the Yardain. Instead, it was at the boundary, it was at the shore of the Yardain, and it spat its vial, it, uh, it, uh, it uh, hurled bile at the, at the, the residents of the, of the land. So the idea that they didn't cross the Yardain is actually consistent with mentioning the two Amorite kings here because Sichon and Og are the two Amorite kings we usually talk about and they were east of the Yardain. So they didn't, the Tzirah doesn't cross the Yardain. Um, and it's the Pasuk here is not referencing the bile from east of the Yardin crossing west. It's saying, I sent the Tzirah and they attacked Sichon and Og. That's one way to read this. A Barbanel is the contrarian, and a Barbanel says, no, these two Amorite kings that we're referring to are actually not Sichon and Og. These are actually Amorite kings in Canaan, and the Tzirah here does not refer to the uh, wasps crossing the Yardin. It's the news of what the Jews had done to Sichon and and Og. Okay. Um, overall question, just uh, before we get into what happens for them, you know, in the land of Israel, all of this is, you know, getting to, uh, to the land of Israel, and then this line about Hashem's chesed in the land. Actually, yeah, before we, we go further, I just, I just wanted to address two questions. Um, number one, why did Yehoshua start our history by recounting Avodah by recounting idolatry? Why did he start there? So the answer could be, like Rav Cook's comments in his Haggadah, in his Arodachuva, our low state catalyzed our growth. It isn't just that we went from being lowly to becoming great, but actually being in the low state was what catalyzed our growth. It upset us, it gave us fuel to, uh, to go forward and to become greater. So therefore, you want to mention our initial low state, which was the idolatry, the Avodah Zarah. But the pshat idea, I think, is threefold. Um, number one, the first chesed was when Hashem took us out of that idolatry. That's Mitzudah's David. Second, because Hashem is going to warn us here, Yeshua is going to warn us here, it's the very next passage, sentences 14 and 15, to not return to that idolatry. So you start by saying, we were idolatrous, don't be terach. That's the idea, something that becomes very relevant later on in the time of King Ahav. But that's, uh, that's in Sefer Malachim. Um, and then last, to appreciate how far we've come, right? We say regarding the Haggadah. You start with our lowly state and then you end with a great state. Appreciate how far you've come. And that is another theme of Jewish history that Yehoshua is invoking here. We talked about the theme of Jewish history, of Hashem's kindness to us, of Hashem's manipulation of events. This is a third element. You have to appreciate how far you've Come, you know, echoes of Salo Baron, the historian, and uh, him saying that people's account of Jewish history is very often this lacrimose theory of Jewish history, that everything is tears and everything is miserable and horrible. It's just not true. And here we're seeing evidence of it. It's really not, uh, it's not all tears. Um, last bit. 
um, not a question about Yoshua, but why does the history that is found in the beginning of our chapter make it into our Haggadah? It's found in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Pesachim, Perak Yud, Halacha Hey. Why is this in our Haggadah? Why don't we use the Pesukim in Sefer Bereshis? So part of it is because of the themes. We mentioned Avodah Zarah here, idolatry here from the outset, and that's not clear at all in the Pesukim in Bereshis. Um, we talked about that regarding Terach being identified here as an idolater. Bereshis never said that clearly. Um, also the theme of Chesed that you see here um, as well. And then finally, because it shows a, uh, an ugly past that becomes the springboard for the future, um, like we just said. And then last is the form and presentation that are found in this section. The fact that here it's Hashem talking, it's Hashem's voice channeled through Yehoshua, I think that is a reason why we like to mention it in the Haggadah, as opposed to Bereshis, which is more of a a narrator voice, so to speak. Um, The fact that this version of the story here is concise. Bereshis takes a long time to tell the story. Here, just a couple of sukkim, you get it. And then finally, maybe it's part of the theme in the Haggadah of presenting how our ancestors have told our history, fulfilling the Higadah Talavincha, tell your children, Yahushua is doing that. He is recounting the story, although granted we have no indication that Yahushua is speaking to them on Pesach, but we're portraying Jews telling the story of Yitzias Mitzrayim. So we have a nice bit for uh, people can say for their, uh, for their Seder.